and M. Geekly. This week we're talking our top Christmas movies, a geeky gift guide, and a little Yiddish fiddler, and a man of no importance Broadway talk. Here's Mike and Deglio. What is up, team? Welcome to K&M Geekly. Just a sneak peek at two geeks talking about some of the things that are getting them through the week. And this week, we are bah-humbugging. And hopefully, this show can shake us out of our winter malaise. Keith, my co-host, my friend, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Hopefully better than me. Are you sitting on a chair on the floor like your co-host? Well, you know, I, I can't say it's been the most relaxing day, but I am sitting on a chair. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's exciting. Also exciting, I'm running the show today. So when all the tech goes wrong, it's this guy because, Mike, you had a little bit of an issue over there. Windows updates did it, folks. Windows update, uh, as I have had forgotten had happened in the past, I ran the update. It said, hey, we got to restart your computer to up, you know, to do the updates, Keith. Mm-hmm. They don't really ask your permission. They basically say, you have four minutes to save everything you have, <laughs> and then we're restarting. It restarted, uh, but without the starting part, and so I've got to go troubleshoot a borked-ass computer, uh, which, you know, you put all that money into something. And But then, of course, here's my trusty MacBook, Keith. Just boot it right up, working just fine, I, I assume. What? So, so we'll, I, well, see. we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out if an episode drops today at all. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's a bummer. That's one of the problems when you build your own is you don't have the support of the uh, yeah of the company that's built ten trillion of them. Uh, yeah. So, Mike, what are we talking about today? Well, Keith, we're uh, this will be the last app that drops before the the Christmas holiday. I know our good friends of the Jewish persuasion have already begun their Hanukkah celebrations, and I'm sure there are Indeed. whatever you might sell, whatever festivities you might celebrate during this time of the year. It's a time of gratitude, family, and you know all that stuff. I, I assume. And <laughs> so, Keith. <laughs> Uh, I thought it'd be fun this week to talk about some shows we've seen. Um, We've gotten some decent response to some of the Broadway stuff we've been talking. We both saw shows recently, so we're going to talk about that. Then I wanted to to, to twist your ear a little bit, Keith, about... Look, everybody has their favorite Christmas movies uh, or holiday films. There There are pantheon of films, and so we obviously cannot rank the best. But I thought we'd toss out five of our faves each and then have to... And then have to... Come to a consensus of what we will say is the K&M Geekly Christmas movie of all time. Uh, we'll see if well, we can do it. Well, you're getting three from me, and you should be happy about it. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I've even got an honorable mention. So we'll see if we can do it. And then we thought we would do, we'd go through some of the fun, geeky gifts that we think that we've had in our experience this year. Maybe you could give as a gift. If you've got some free pennies, you've got a geek on your list, and you've got a few days to, uh, to get... Some app, but guess what, Keith? They're all linked for, to Amazon down below ah. in our show notes, so that you can get a leg up and we can get that sweet, sweet affiliate cash. Yeah, that's right. Support the evil empire, but us a little bit too. Oh, sorry, Siri. Well, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> but Keith, well, speaking I, of this, I, last I, thing I want to say um, to you, my friend, uh, we will have a we'll have an end of the year episode. We'll have a we'll have a New Year's episode. We'll we'll discuss what that is next week. But before then, I wanted to say, speaking of gratitude. Happy thousand subscribers. We are now, yes. you, sh- you might have actually seen an ad before this video rolled. That's Ooh. Keith and I's gift to you. Uh, <laughs> peek behind the curtain. We, Keith and I have generated, the K&M Geekly Empire on YouTube has generated mm. 67 cents, folks. So let's raise a Ooh. mold cider, uh, whatever you That's got handy. <laughs> that you, you could pay for about a quarter of with our lifetime's earnings. 
and some great Meanwhile, trolls. Meanwhile, like I my, wanted to thank my buddy Keith and all the people who uh, who went who attacked the troll this week. Uh, somebody gave me crap for making a joke and uh, for being too woke, Keith. I think I was accused yeah. of being too woke this week. Ah, what it, it happens happens on the regular. And uh, well, actually, that's a perfect topic for me to say. Hey, uh, I understand in in this this holiday season, not everybody celebrates the same holidays. Yeah. Not everybody celebrates any of these holidays. And um, and and for a lot of folks, all of these holidays may bring up lots of complicated feelings that aren't always uh, you know Christmas movies and cocoa. So. Uh, I would like to acknowledge that, and that is off. That is often true for me as well. So I'm Absolutely. 100% with you uh, on all of that. So whether or not you're celebrating uh, any holiday or no holiday at all, we're here and uh, support you with my flaming Mountain Dew. How cool is that with the green screen and the fire? I got Woo! this uh, mug in in China, Keith. A Starbucks in China. China, great. Well, all right. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Take us away, Mike. Oh, You're yeah. the host, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I don't know how you loaded it up, though. What do you want to start with? We can start with whatever. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm like, I'm on the... Uh, well, let's do a quick recap of the shows here. we saw recently. Let's do, some, let's do Broadway at the top like we've been doing, and then we'll jump into the holiday season. What do you say? Okay. Well, would you like to go first? Do you want sure. me to go first? Why don't I go first? All right. Let's talk about it. So this week... Uh, I had a chance to get up to New York City and spend a few nights, and by a few I mean one night, uh, with my wife, CEO Jen. Uh, she's Jennifer Babiak on the YouTubes and on all the social medias. That's B-A-B-I-A-K. She is reprising her role, Keith, as Golda, the mother of Tevya, the dairyman, in Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish with English subtitles. Now through the end of the year at New World Stages in New York City. Now, this is a production that first, uh, that is under the the direction of Joel Gray, uh, Academy Award winner Joel Gray, a multiple Tony winner, uh, basically a living legend of stage and screen, uh, directed this about three or four years ago at the National uh, Jewish Museum, uh, or the National Holocaust Museum, I believe, downtown at the Battery. Uh, the folks being a, the, the National Theater yeah. folks being a, in New York City. Um, yeah, there we go. We got some pics. Oop, and a webcam. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> great. That's, that's what I wanted to do. This Control really F great. does not do what I think it does. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, that is my wife on the right, though, as you can see on this picture here, over Keith's face. And Good Lord. There we go. <laughs> and that is the incomparable Stephen Skybell as Tevia. He's reprising his role as well. And they moved the the show closed officially before COVID, so it wasn't shut down because of COVID. It it it, it closed uh, after many extensions, uh, after a successful run and a successful uh, cast recording, which you can still get on iTunes. In fact, I think you can get on Amazon as well. I will link that as down below as well. And oh, it was a great production. It moved uptown to uh, Stage Forty Two in New York City off Broadway and closed there. And for reasons, they decided over this uh, holiday season, they were going to reprise it at New World Stages, which is a really high-tech, new, newish uh, theater in New York City. And uh, I got up there on Monday to see it again. And I'd seen it probably 10 times in its initial, initial run. I was so proud of my wife. And, you know, I was speaking to a colleague this week who was like, well, why in, in, why in Yiddish? Why is that a thing? Now... The way they say it, the, uh, the easiest way to describe it is that it's the language that would have been spoke 
in a village uh, like that at that time when it was when this story in takes Anatevka. place. Yeah. It's right. also based on the Ukraine. stories of, um, I cannot remember the author's name of the original Tevye the Milkman stories, but regardless, that's the original language it had been written in. And so it is, it is the origin language of this story. And, you know, to hear the people in a, in a play, in a story, speaking, you know, there's a, there's a disconnect when you watch anything in, on, on Netflix, let's say, and you put the English dub on, you know what I mean? Right. There's a, right. there's a disconnect in the storytelling. And so this is ostensibly taking that off and listening in the original language and getting all the inflection and the uh, storytelling, because Yiddish is sort of a dead language, but it is a very demonstrative language. It's, uh, it, sounds, it sounds and it, the use of sounds and consonants and even phlegm and sort of like articulation of the throat muscles is very, is very demonstrative and has its own sort of musicality. And so hearing that and being forced to read the subtitles, which are presented in English and in Russian, because that's the other, the other uh, nationals in that little uh, um, shuttle. In the village. Yeah, in the yeah. village, are, were Russians. So it's really kind of, it's a great just a sort of base level of dramaturgy, and, uh, and it just adds a lot. Now, at its very base level, it's a it's a much more play version of a grand musical a lot of people are used to, and you're forced to read the translation, which is forcing you to engage with the story at a very visceral level whilst mm. you're watching the play. So it, it is touching on a whole bunch of levels. Now, this production, for me, was really special because it's, it's something that rarely ever happens. They reprised a show that had already... It happened some years ago and have, I would say, retained 95% of that cast. And so rather than feeling uh, fresh or new, I would say it, it airs on the side of feeling very grounded and very comfortable. These people know each other, which adds to the, the familial vibe of the village. And they're, they have a facility with the language now. They, you know, all 99% of the actors in this production learned Yiddish for this production. Right. And it's a tricky language. But now they have four plus years of experience with the language. It's not they're not just reciting sounds. They know the words they're saying. They know the story they're telling. And so it feels very lived in. And that mm. is just something you don't see in revivals very often. I mean it's the same cast for the most part. Um it's beautiful. What I think it gains, they had to shrink the they had to shrink it down a little bit to fit into New World stages. But what I think it gains is a space that matches the intimacy of the story being told with the size of cast being told. That didn't really feel mm. that way at stage 42. And even at the museum, it felt a little big for the story being told, which is very small. Especially since there's almost no props in use. It's a very sort of black box very production. Very sparse. Yeah, yeah, very sparse production. So that, I think, benefits the show. In addition... I'll credit the sound design, but I think it's also just the facilities are just very uh, well appointed. The sound mix at New World Stages is absolutely mm. spectacular. The The performers are mic'd perfectly. The mix is perfect. The band is perfectly mixed. It adds mm. the power. It, it, it feels, it's much more visceral, the mix here, and, and adds to the story and, and the... The singing is beautiful. The lang the facility of language is beautiful. It was just, you know, like I said, I mentioned it. I've seen it 10 plus times, but this was the time it really spoke to me the most. And on a side note, 
I was once again struck with, I thought I had lived through the whole experience with my wife, performing at the drama desks, opening the show, being at, uh, being being an understudy and then having to quickly learn the, a lead role in two weeks and then go on <laughs> right. for the rest of the run. All I thought I had seen it all the pride, but seeing her go back to it and knowing that this is probably the end of the line for it when it closes on the 1st of January and just kind of feeling the whole thing in, to, in totality from that first audition, should I even go for it? Do I want to cover Golda? Oh my God, right, can I sure. can I do it? Can you help me? And me saying, no, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you. To her saying, don't come to my opening night because I don't, I, I don't want any, I don't want the pressure of anyone being there. To having to clandestinely go in and watch without her knowing I was there. To the whole experience kind of came home for me, and I was just really proud of her and the whole journey. And she said to me, you know, that she's ready to like tackle the next thing now. She feels like she's put her mark on this and and I'm I'm excited yeah. for her to do that. So it was great. You've still got two weeks to get up there. If you if you're looking for something to do and you're not celebrating the holidays, get up to New York City if you can and check out uh, Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Uh, it's really wonderful. Yeah, it's an extraordinary production, and she's extraordinary in it. Um, you know, she, it's a beautiful performance, and I, I, I can say this: I've, I've seen many productions of Fiddler. Uh, Golda has never been sung as well no. as as Jen. I think that's a no one hundred percent ever. Truth. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Like, it has never been sung as well as she has an extraordinary. I mean, her her acting is impeccable and beautiful and all that kind of stuff. But she she brings a vocal quality to that character that I believe is probably unprecedented. Yeah, in fact, I, I encourage you, whether you can go check it out or not, just go on whatever streaming music service you have and check out the cast recording and listen for any of the things Golda sings because she usually doesn't. But my wife is sort yeah. of a featured soprano or even a mezzo or an alto in some of the lines. She's singing, the whole produ- the whole production is beautiful and that recording is is one of the seminal recordings, I think, of Fiddler on the Roof, which is also pretty cool to be a part of, so... Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Keith, you saw something uh, a little different. I did. I I went to go see a man of no importance, uh, which is a a musical Shire, revival right? at Classic Stage Company. Yep. Um, no. Uh, uh, yes. No. 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 Uh, uh, Aaron's and Aaron's and Flaherty. Oh my god. Uh, with, and uh, with a book by Terrence McNally, it was a. This was the last production directed by John Doyle as artistic director of Classic Stage Company. Does everyone play uh, instruments? And it stars. Uh, they did play. Uh, half of the cast plays their instruments as well. Um, Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory plays plays the lead, um, and it is uh, Mayor Winningham is in it. Like a ton of really good people are in AJ Shively. Um, and it's a it's a beautiful little story set in uh, in Ireland in the '60s um, about this guy trying to put on a community theater production in a very uh, sort of Irish Catholic environment, and he's struggling with his sexuality. Like he he we we find out that he's gay and has struggled with that his entire life, and it's a um, it's a beautiful intimate. It has a, has some similarities with Fiddler a little bit because it is about this um, this tiny little insular community where everybody knows everybody, everybody plays a role in their lives, and somebody trying to battle against tradition from from a religious standpoint. And how do I navigate moving into the modern world with this this community that we've built? Um, and it's a as a fantastic score. The production is flawless. 
Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Um, the performances, the arrangements, the this is the and I you know and I say this as a musician. This is the best performed instruments by actors I've ever seen on stage. Okay, the caliber of musician of these actors are absolutely top notch. And usually there's like a compromise, right? Like, oh, the actors are doing it, but it's not going to sound super great. This was flawless. Um, Jim Parsons does a beautiful job in the role. Um, Singing the role, I didn't didn't know he could sing. And he's not like a singer, but he does a really good job with it. Um, Yeah, I mean... He plays like the young Hawkeye, the uh, the part that Steve Pasquale did. Shively, okay. Yeah, A.J. Shively, yeah. Um, From Paradise Square, Tony nominated. Um, And uh, does, does a does a really fantastic job it's a very it, it's a it's a s- very small theater it's in the round uh, they sort of are on a, th- a thrust so it's three quarters in the round um very simple production but uh very moving we sat in right in the front row and so i hope they can find a way you know maybe to transfer it up because it never got a Broadway run. And I believe that this production... No, that I was surprises me, because I, I believe... With, didn't I see it at Lincoln Center? Is that not considered It was Broadway? at Lincoln Center, but in their off-Broadway venue. Oh, I gotta say, so I'll uh, quickly, you know, when I was going to AMDA, I, they would just post tickets to stuff, and I didn't care oh, what it was production. or where it was, so I just would take tickets. And so I yeah. just showed up to Lincoln Center, and I mean, did not know what I was in for. I mean... I got to see Roger Reese and Roger Reese is just everything Roger Reese ever did was amazing. And Stephen Pasquale was in that. And I just yeah. loved it. I fell in love with, uh, with Aaron's and Flaherty then. So I went back and kind of learned all their stuff. Um, I think it's probably one of their best scores I mean, outside you. of ragtime. And yeah, I guess I never really considered it, but now I'm in that age bracket. <laughs> well, actually either one. Yeah. Either I don't know about guy that. Or the... I don't think I could do the young guy, but. Um, regardless. Oh, there's that character. Oh, there's so many. Look at how many great actors are in that. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, it's it's. What's her name? Right in the center. She. I love her. That, that's Mayor Winningham. Mayor Winningham. Yeah. And you have, you have Mary Beth Peel and Tom Sesma, uh, Alma Cuervo. Like unbelievable that... amount. Yeah. Look of... at that, all the talent there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the talent is off the charts. Uh, Sharina Med plays the uh, the young girl. She is fantastic, and the whole the whole production, flawless. How are the accents? I'm so impressed. The accents are good. Uh, the accents were good mostly. There, mm-hmm. one one of them I did not find particularly great. Although I'm not an expert on mm-hmm. the Irish accent, but other than that, I mean, it it was almost perfect. Um, but anyway, if you can see it before they close, I believe it's probably about the same time around January. Uh, definitely, I hope. Yeah, if you're looking to see theater in New York, uh, don't go after January. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> not much. Not much. Yeah. Well, I mean, but look, there, I, I, like, there's there's always Black Monday in, in January and yeah. on Broadway and off Broadway. That's, that's how things work. Uh, anyway, it was great. Uh, check it out. Check out uh, Yiddish Fiddler. And, uh, you know, there we go. Mike, what's next? All right, let's do our movies, Keith. And then we'll get to our gift guide quickly at the end. So, um... I don't know what order you're going to put these up, so uh, there's not... So, I I think I put them in the order that, that you... Oh, I don't know, well, let's find out. Why don't you go first, because you have a lot more than I do. Yes, okay, so, so I wanted just... to give an honorable mention first. Not on my list is A Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, A Charlie Brown Christmas was a TV movie, and it was ostensibly an advertisement for, I think, like Coca-Cola or one of the, one of the colas. 
Um, uh, but it's become become a classic. But whilst I don't think the movie is particularly good, I, I find the the child voice acting while endearing because they're actual children and they're just like the audio is so spliced to try to make them coherent. Uh, it's not really about anything. Um, they're just kind of mean to Charlie Brown the whole movie. It's not one of my faves, but I think it spawned Keith one of my top five pure top five favorite albums with no caveats of all time, and that is uh, Vince Guaraldi's. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas uh, soundtrack, I think is a seminal jazz record. I think it is a seminal holiday mm. record without having any actual real Christmas songs in it, except for maybe like Oh, Chris, oh Tannenbaum. It is uh, an, a masterclass in melody. Um, I absolutely love it. I love playing the vinyl. I love listening to it. I love putting it on. It says Christmas to me. It is the soundtrack of Christmas to me. Um, so, and mm. thus that is why it is on my honorable mentions, but my actual number five is the, yes, you did get the order right, Keith. So somehow we are Woo-hoo! doing it. <laughs> um, this is actually kind of a cheat as well, because I am kind of lumping in with Rudolph, all of the Rankin Bass claymation Christmas holiday films. Um, which mm. you can get on, like, collections. You know, that includes Frosty the Snowman, includes Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and includes, uh, a, 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 what is it, like a Heatmeister's Christmas or whatever, all of the, all the Rankin Bass. Um, not only do I appreciate just the sort of nostalgia vibes of these movies, they're short, and so it's not a huge commitment. I think they're interesting. I mean, damn, when you think about Rudolph, it, it's, yes, the classic song, Rudolph song, it's a novelty song, but it's also about... A friggin' elf who wants to be a dentist and about following your own path in light of the world trying to tell you what you should be. When you really kind of read it, it sort of is the black, the original black sheep story. It's there's so much to love about it. Not to mention the handcrafted nature of the film and how many people's actual hands tangibly made this film. When it's on. Mm. It makes me feel warm inside. It reminds me of the magic of the holidays. It reminds me of that time when Christmas meant something. And it, not about toys and all that stuff. It just meant a feeling. It was a part of the year. It, it, it represents that for me. Which, as Keith mentioned earlier, is very easy to lose as you get older. And, like, you know, the world is real. Life is real. <laughs> so this, the, the Rankin-Bass just holds a special spot in my heart and and thus it is the number five top christmas movie holiday movie uh for me keith yeah well i i think you should do four okay because i only have three so all right so number four i have something that you probably have never heard of and it is the christmas toy and i had brought up oh let me let me pull it up again so i give you some like actual information the Christmas toy to Jim Henson joint. I think it was 1986. Let me double check that for you. 1986 TV Christmas special. Um, and uh, it follows Rugby the Tiger as he remembers how he was the favorite Christmas toy last year and wants to be the favorite this year and not be replaced by another toy. Keith, does that sound familiar plot-wise? I, I, I mean, probably. It's Toy Story. This is the exact plot of Toy Story, but in 1986, done not by the Muppets, but Jim created an entire new cast of toys, and it added a dark element, as Henson stuff often does, 
And it's that if any of the toys, like when the kids, everybody leaves the room, they all come to life and they do a whole number about coming to life. But if they get spotted, they die, Keith. Oh, shit. <laughs> they become inanimate and they, can, and they no longer have inner life. They no longer have sentience. And so this movie is about uh, feeling replaced. It's about kinship. It's about uh, the love of like toys, which you and I have uh, something to say about. Um, and it also is about loss, <laughs> which is something that like is a lot to take in as a kid. And so, um, I think you can, f I'm imagining you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it is just magic to me. I don't know. We had it on VHS and we wore that VHS out. We watched it all mm. the time. I still like to revisit it when I can. It makes me sad, but it also makes me happy and joyous. And it is, it's, it's better to me than Muppet. Christmas Carol than any of the other Henson holiday stuff. It's the Christmas toy. You probably haven't heard of it if you're watching this show, and I highly recommend you go to YouTube to check it out. It's the Christmas toy. It's by Jim Henson, and it's my number four favorite holiday movie. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, here, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a Christmas movie person at all. Okay. I'm not even particularly a Christmas person. Okay. Right. It's it's. Uh, I know, love that we, I'm just making family, you do Christmas Christmas episodes been like of this six show. Six episodes in a row, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, okay, we'll do it. Here's the thing: like, my family, we celebrated Christmas, right? But not really in the sort of traditional way. We didn't watch any of the movies. We didn't really do any of that. Uh, we're not religious, mm -hmm. so we don't have that element to it. And so, uh, I mean, like, you know, the candy canes and toys for sure. But like, I don't didn't really have like a Christmas we didn't watch Christmas movies it wasn't part of my childhood and so today you know as somebody who um you know it celebrates the family part of it not the you know either the religious or the Christmas part of it I'm like I don't know if I necessarily want to watch one but one I would watch every damn time and that's Die Hard I know it's a, it, the endless debate whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie of course it's a Christmas movie it's a Christmas movie for people who aren't into Christmas movies it's a classic it's rewatchable it is it holds up it is never a bad 2 hours of your life to watch Die Hard as uh, as a Christmas movie yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. I, I like Die Hard. I like it as a Christmas movie. Uh, it's also it it checks the box that I that I used for uh, uh, my next my next rank, in that when it's on, you watch it. Whether you catch it yeah. at the beginning, you catch it ten minutes from the end. Or yeah, <laughs> Hans Gruber, baby. Yeah, or like fifteen minutes from the end, you always watch Die Hard to its completion when it's on. So that's the that's the hallmark of a of a great film. No, and it's it's incredibly well constructed as a film, as an action movie with all the side characters. Um, and I'll say this: speaking of, and this literally just came to me as you were talking. I'd forgotten I'd ever seen this. Um, at some like new play, short play festival back a hundred years ago, I saw a uh, a sock puppet musical version of Die Hard. Okay. Uh, which was, uh, I was there to see something else, but I also saw it. Uh, the, the one thing I did like was the character of Argyle, i.e. the limo driver, was, of course, an Argyle sock. 
Uh, also, if you have Netflix, which I assume you probably do, there's a great Movies That Made Us 45-minute uh, mm-hmm. mini-doc on Die Hard, which has some cool, like, anecdotes. One of my favorites being that, like, Reginald Jackson, you know, who played the cop, uh, you know, Carl from Family Matters, was, like, his career was, like, in free fall at that point, and this movie came and, like, reestablished yeah. him. And he's, he's, it's, what a great casting choice. Just, like, such great casting in this film. Casting was great in this movie. All right, Mike, what's your number three? Well, we already talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, so this, uh, Keith, I was waffling, because I, I, I love White Christmas. White Christmas is another one like the Rankin Bass. It just, it, 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 is, it establishes nostalgia. It was movie making at a time, movie musical making of a very specific vintage era that has yet to be replicated. A lot of the new Christmas musicals I just don't like. Spirited, people liked it. I did not. But White Christmas is awesome. But, Keith, it's Elf, baby. I, I, I just love everything about Elf. Uh, Will Farrell gives a tour de force performance. You don't believe for a second. Now, here's the thing. You know, we mentioned a few weeks ago Jim Carrey in uh, Ace Ventura. I really like Jim Carrey. I really like Jim Carrey in the 90s because I was of a certain age where that was my kind of thing. But when you go back and watch a lot of Jim Carrey stuff, you always see Jim Carrey doing Jim Carrey, right? There's always an element of him doing his thing in the character, right? Right. It's just a vehicle for him to do his silly shit. Will Ferrell becomes Buddy, Buddy the Elf is a separate thing. There is no, I don't see Will Ferrell in this movie. It is Buddy the Elf. He is so pure in his joy and innocence. There is no hint of performance taking place, even though it is an over-the-top, scene-chewy thing. There is heart in the father-some element. Somehow, as ridiculous as it is, there's a there's heart in it. His love story with Zoe Deschanel is both bizarre, but oddly, it works. The last, the, the, the ending sequence with the, like, the, you know, the Chris, every trope you could possibly find poured into one scene should not work at all. But it does because the movie wears its heart on its sleeve and just goes for it. Which I think, I'm learning in this Cole Porter thing we talked about last week, the only way to make some of some stuff work in our sort of uh, cultural, the I will say the segment of our art that is pure cheese, you can call it cheese or you can call it, uh, I don't really have a better word for it. Cheese has a negative connotation. I don't mean to use it that way, but... Just like stuff that's supposed to be pure happiness, I guess. You have to do it with with sincerity or it just does not read correctly. And that's been a learning process for me. And this movie embodies that. There's so much of this movie that should just be not work. But it works because it's everybody's playing it 100% pure. And that is... I I think if there there is a, a distillation of the difference between Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell, both very funny, both very talented comedians and and funny people physical comedians but jim carrey always has the artifice of i'm aware i'm doing a silly thing mm-hmm. right there 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 is a a it is it is not it, I, there's a self-awareness to it there's there's an intentionality to everything he does whereas will ferrell is regard re, regardless of how ridiculous whatever he's doing he is 100% invested and committed and in no way there's no irony to what he does. He mm-hmm. is 100% utterly 
convicted in whatever he's doing, regardless of how stupid it is. And I think that is his superpower. I I think that it's worth noting, if I could find it, and I cannot, what better podcast, of course. I want to credit the screenwriters, because this clearly was pitched as a premise film, right? They were like, let's put Jim Carrey in an elf costume and just, or Jim Carrey, let's put Will Ferrell in in an elf costume and just let him go wild, right? That's how this was pitched, I guarantee it. Right, and it was greenlit on that premise alone, but yet it's a really heartfelt David story. David Barenbaum. Yep, David Barenbaum, uh, directed wrote, by John Favreau. Yeah, it, it, both the all of the elements here, the alchemy works. Uh, Elf is a great. You don't need me to tell you, Elf is great. Uh, rewatch it and be like, oh yeah, this is great. And the ending sequence is wonderful. I love Elf. Yeah, yeah, I saw the musical twice. I just once, but it was also good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Uh, all right, let us do my number two, and that is Gremlins. Uh, the original Gremlins, it is absolutely a Christmas movie. He is a Christmas present, the toy, and it all, uh, goes chaos. It's spiky and fun, and I think, uh, adds, I mean, Gremlins is a classic. I don't need to tell Gremlins anybody awesome. here. But if, if you happen to be so young that you might have missed gremlins um watch gremlins well they're, Keith, they're... i'll say this yes i loved gremlins but it scared me the bad guy scared me and so i sure. i officially can say i do not think i have watched gremlins since the 80s so i no think kidding. i might actually take you up on that and, and tonight watch gremlins oh you definitely should i, I mean phoebe I cates i just haven't watched uh, it so and- long it's and so much of it is. It's a it's a. Is the bad guy comedy. Spike, right? Spike or something like that. It's Gizmo. Yeah, there's and yeah. Then Spike. Spike, Giz, Gizmo, Mogwai. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of them. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it it is very much a silly. It's Robert Zemeckis, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Zemeckis film. No, uh, no, it's Chris Columbus. Yeah. Joe oh. Dante and Chris Columbus. Cool. Um, and it's it's got it's got some spikiness to it. It's really silly. It's very funny. Um, I, and I think as a kid, I didn't clock how funny it was. There's also like a monologue from Phoebe Cates, which will put your jaw on the floor. And I believe it's all practical it. puppetry too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, no, no, no. There's nothing. Well, it's 1984. Yeah, there's right, literally right. nothing that you're going to see that wasn't practical. Um, so amazing effects, super fun. Um, yeah, anyway, and and Gremlins 2, very different, but also super fun. So definitely uh, definitely worth a watch, and, and for Star Trek fans, there's lots of there. Uh, plus, Mike from Breaking Bad is in Gremlins, so mm, yeah. so there you go. That's my number. Well, I, I didn't number them. That's one of mine. Yep. Mike? All right, Keith, that brings me to number two, <clears throat> Home Alone. Another one that a lot of people don't put on the Christmas list, but it is absolutely a Christmas movie. Of course it's a um, Christmas movie. Uh, the plot, the plot doesn't really make any lick of sense if you really put it under any scrutiny. No. Um, but this Chris is Chris Columbus, two in a row. Yeah, this is Christopher Columbus. This is once again a vibe film. Uh, I love it because it's Catherine O'Hara in a role that is as grounded as a role as you'll see her play. Um, I was Macaulay Culkin's age when this movie came out, ish. Yeah, and I read the book before the movie came out. There um, was a book? There was a book. I'm sure it was based on the screenplay, but I just happened to read the book before the movie. Um, oh. I absolutely adore the 
the slapstick comedy of the of the Sticky Bandits. It's still my fantasy football name to this day. Uh, there's heart in it. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's performance is. If you, I mean, you know how hard it is child uh, child performance is because you've seen so many bad ones. That's that's it. it it's usually they're usually serviceable at best. It's hard thing to acting is hard. I should say. Um, Macaulay Culkin is incredible in this movie. Hysterical. He carries a film. He's nine years old. He yeah. is, shows sentimentality. He shows vulnerability. He shows comedic chops. Uh, there are sequences in this film. And one of the other things that speaks to me is my father, Keith, as I've talked many times about on the show, would watch the 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 battle sequence in this film when the when the bandits break into Kevin's house and he has all the booby traps and right. would actually piss himself like would soil his <laughs> pants laughing and my dad was like a kind of gruff dude and you didn't see him in that state ever like nothing broke him this movie destroyed mm. him and so i carried that with me as well when this movie's now the sequels take them or leave them home alone one is just christmas the 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 songs the sights the feeling of 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 new york in in christmas is is captured here uh it's wonderful Chicago. Chicago, excuse me. I I, um, I watch it every time it's on. I never miss it. I love it. Uh, it's Home Alone. Yeah, I I mean I I saw Home Alone in the theaters too because we're you know, we're the same age. So we're, it was it was definitely uh, super fun to see it the first time in the theaters. No, I mean it's a it's a you know again like talk about like a flawless movie. Yeah. It really is the score from start to finish is is just John Williams, right? Isn't it? No, but it's a. It might be John Williams, actually. I think it is. Better it is. podcast. No, we have. Yeah. Idea. All right. Well, yeah. I, I, I think I'm pretty sure that it is. I'm pretty sure that it is. Um, because I'm a John Williams nerd, and I, you know, love all of his stuff. All right. So let me talk about my next one. And uh, the last John one Williams, I can think you're of. This isn't right. even. You're, yeah. Ha! I'm awesome. Uh, yeah. So. This isn't even a movie that I think is good, but it is a memorable Christmas movie uh, because uh, Prancer, the, uh, this, this was 1989. It was about a little girl who finds a reindeer who might be Rudolph or one of Santa's reindeers. I don't really remember. I don't think I've seen it since I was nine. Uh, but let me tell you, this movie was big friggin' news in rural Vermont because the little girl starring in it by the name of Rebecca Harrell was a uh, was in my mother's school district my mm. uh, my mother was her librarian uh, so uh, it she was a local girl who was the lead in a big freaking Hollywood movie and it was uh, it was very very exciting for us so we went to go see that in the theaters and uh, yeah, and it's it's so funny because we're like literally the same age. She's maybe a year older than I was. My memory of her is much older than in this picture. Right, <laughs> she's, right. she's like eight years old. Uh, but uh, anyway, so Prancer, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I I think I enjoyed it vaguely as a kid. Um, so it's a Sam Elliott, Cloris Leachman, <laughs> Abe Vigoda, 
and a uh, bunch of bunch of little kids in there, including Jesse Bradford as a random kid, Johnny Galecki, and uh, one of my one of my earliest crushes, Ariana Richards from right. uh, Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. uh, also in this movie. So uh, Prancer, I, I can't speak if it's good because I haven't seen it in thirty years, uh, but. It was one that I paid it's a lot on our of list. attention to. <laughs> it's on our list because I don't have a lot. So, Mike, take us away. Well, folks, you know, you could say A Christmas Story should be on there. But for me, if you have to tell me what is the Christmas movie, it's it's mm. Chevy Chase starring in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It is the seminal Christmas film. Now, first of all, I should once again mention Chevy Chase plays my father in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he just acts like him. He was like down on his luck like him. It just reminds me of my dad for whatever reason. Uh, my dad was like huge in like doing the Christmas up, but uh, something about his character reminds me of him. But with the exception of like one or two sort of like by today's standards problematic scenes, um, everything. There's some problematic ones in Gremlins too. Yeah, I point that I, out. yeah, that's just if 80s films. This is an 89 John Hughes film, and John Hughes, you know, I mean, he wrote for a specific audience, and it is what it is. But damn, if every scene in this film isn't hilarious, I mean, real funny. I mean, just off the top of your head, the whole sequence with them with the lights, the whole sequence of every time uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus, the next door neighbors, get shat upon the whole kidnapping sequence everything with randy quaid uh the grandma singing saying the, the, the grandma doing this instead of a christmas blessing just start saying the pledge of allegiance the um that'll do clark uh, Adam, uh she's a butte clark i mean everything in this movie is hysterical the cat getting electrocuted and fried i mean every sequence there's something you could, the turkey, the dinner not going right. I mean, Keith, we talked about how holidays are really about your, your family driving you insane and trying to make things perfect and nothing going right. I mean, this movie nails it. And then on top of that, in the same, in the next breath, they'll do a sequence like when Clark gets trapped in the attic and he starts watching old family films. And as a kid, I never got it, but now I get it as a grown up. is that that melancholy of like thinking about Christmases and holidays past and how you can never get that back and how time is just, oh. it's inevitable onslaught and it, it, it captures that. It's just, in my opinion, almost perfect. Um, and so it's, it is, I never miss a chance. I know that Christmas stories on 24 seven on TBS or whatever, every year, that's not the movie I go to. I go to home alone. I go to Christmas vacation. I never miss it. I love, 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 love this movie. Uh, what about you, Keith? What's what's top your list? I don't have that. I, that was I, it. I, I thought you had three. There's that's, one other thing it, I want to so. quickly mention to those out. I know we have some gamers who watch the channel. The best Christmas video game, in my opinion, and there is one, is Miles Morales. It's the 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 smaller kind of sequel to the original Spider-Man game on PS5, PS4. It takes place. The entire plot of that uh, game takes place during Christmas in New York City, which is very special to to us, Keith, as we've spent many years there. There's something about New York at Christmas that is unmatched anywhere else. And this whole game takes place at like a snowy day on Christmas in New York City. And you get to swing around and you can go to all the store shops and see all the Christmas stuff happening. Rockefeller Center's got the tree. I mean, it is just perfectly captures it. So if you have a PlayStation, grab yourself Miles Morales and play that this holiday season. All right, Keith, so that leads us to... Of all the films, we have to pick one. 
You know, buddy, I gotta defer to you because I. Uh, I would say that. I would say. I mean. I would. I of your list. I would venture. I would probably allow Die Hard into the conversation. But I think mm-hmm. we have to really. F- we have to talk about. So I would say Die Hard, Christmas Vacation, and Home Alone slash Elf. Those are our sort of like the ones. I'd be mm-hmm. happy with selecting any of those. So I'm really going to leave it to you. Of those, which do you think we should put as our? Yeah, I mean, I, I I like all of those films actually. Um, you know, it's like I uh, really enjoy Elf, especially the first. I think the problem with Elf is that once he starts becoming more normal, it stops being funny. Mm, okay. Which is which is always the 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 problem with these things. So that Elf's first half hour is mm-hmm. fantastic, and then it becomes a little bit more standard. I love the stuff um, with his dad. I would say I do feel often. Uh, I I never really buy the romance. Like it it, it feels like it's a movie that in, that doesn't need it, and yet they have to shoehorn it in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, in and Christmas Vacation is yeah Christmas Vacation is reliably funny the whole time. Um, you know, but its heart is a little bit neutered by, you know, the, the, the Chevy Chase of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's super silly and super fun, but I think if I'm going to pick a, an example of the perfect Christmas movie with its mixture of heart and funny and escalating funny, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I gotta go with Home Alone that, that I, I think it's it's really hard to find a problem with Home Alone be beyond its the premise, which is absurd. But but if you once you accept that, it is a masterpiece of a of a film in lots of different categories. Where some of these well, other also, ones let's not are forget, like great. We didn't mention Home Alone, like the casting. Forget just finding Kevin McAllister, but the, the going out on a limb and making Catherine O'Hara play the straight woman. Uh, all the kid actors, and then let's not forget, they took a flyer on Joe Pesci as a comedic lead. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, so I mean, my I, I think my vote for uh, of this list is is Home Alone, just as a as a as a family friendly, perfect piece of cinema. All right, so there you go, folks. The K and M Geekly Christmas movie of all time. We're saying Home Alone. Do you vehemently disagree? What's your top movie? Mm. Let us know in the comments. We generally, politely and nicely, let's keep it. Uh, we, we're just pl- we're just having fun here, folks. I'll come <laughs> for you. Everybody relax. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's hop into our next little category. We want to talk about some Christmas geek gifts that maybe you might be interested to pick up for a geek in your life. Whoa. Wow. Wow. I don't know what just happened over there. That was exciting. Keith, why don't you kick this one off? All right. So, uh, yeah. So, I've just picked um, some little geeky gifts and everything. I'm on a theme today. Okay. Everything that I'm going to talk about, I'm using right now. Right this very minute. I was going to do that, too. Uh, But now I'm sitting on the floor in my living room. So, that uh, goes out the window for me. But. Yes. Starting with. Uh, what I, uh, which, which was, I, I, I purchased, uh, sort of on a whim to see how it would be, and it is a Nexago 1660, uh, webcam. And so, this is if, uh, this isn't the main camera that I'm using right now, but this is what I use for toy cam, uh, okay. on the other show. It's, it, it is a cheap, but effective, excellent webcam, and, and just, just for fun, uh, while we're talking about it, 
So here, let me take that off. This is oh god, I did it wrong. Keith Gifts. There oh, we go. Mike, can't this wait is to the do live. This I know, right? This this is the live camera, and you can see first off, it's autofocus, oh, which nice. makes it really good. It has a great macro all the way through. Um, and so I haven't done any of the any of the settings that kind of stuff, but I think the the image is really good. It's sixty frames a second, <coughs> which is better than a lot of them. So autofocus, sixty frames a second, at good 1080p, image right? at 1080p. Uh, and for it was like under fifty bucks. It's like yeah, around fifty great. bucks. Like it's a it that is a really good combination of things. So uh, the uh, but. They they sell another one that doesn't autofocus. If you're gonna, it's only like five bucks cheaper. Mm-hmm. Pay the extra five bucks, get the autofocus. You never know when you're gonna need it, uh, but you're gonna be glad that you have it. Yeah, the that thing is. the thing to remember now is like I know a lot of YouTubers. They got their DSLRs and they're doing this and they're doing that and all, and that's all cool. We are in the age now where webcams are good again. So you yeah. can find a webcam for under a hundred bucks. I mean, there's some. I I'll, I'll admit I have one that's three hundred dollars. Um, that does 4K 60, like crazy setting. Like you can, it's got a, a half an inch sen- sensor. It's basically a DSLR, DSLR. They've got those now, but you can also, for under 100 bucks, get what you need. Especially if, you know, if you don't have a million subs, it's, you don't, you know, if you're just well, doing Zoom the, meetings the, or work from home or whatever, don't right, spend this, more than This that. is going to up your game for your basic needs, yeah. right? This isn't your professional camera. But, you know, for me... Right, having a second camera that's halfway decent that I can pick up, I can move it around. It's not hard mounted on the wall mm-hmm. like my main camera, and um, it's just a really useful, cheap second, third camera, um, and uh, super, super easy plug and play. So there it is, Mike. You what's go. your what's Links your uh, first Links one? Below. Links below. Uh, I don't know. Oh yes. Okay, we're going backwards, uh, but this is fine. So this is something I picked up for myself uh, this year. It's on the more expensive side, but uh, maybe uh, you know somebody who is a karaoke DJ or does a podcast or does a YouTube show or likes to record some music. Uh, I was using, Keith, a Motu M2, like you, for my digital audio workstation, and I got uh, some stipend money for my job. I do a lot of voiceover for my job, and I also mix some live webinars and do some things. This is the Rode Procaster 2, and what it is is a combination uh, soundboard, which you can see with the pads on the right, but those pads can also be uh, configured as MIDI pads to trigger uh, all kinds of actions, MIDI actions or macros, or if you're using OBS, you can program it to do OBS stuff. Really powerful. You've got four-channel independent headphone mixing at the top that you can send out to PA speakers. You can send out to headphones, all kinds of stuff. And you've got four hard channels uh, for – you can't see, but on the back there are combo, XLR, or quarter-inch jack inputs. You Mm. can also have a Bluetooth input, and you can hook it up two USBs into your PC and have it have three virtual channels uh, or – all kinds of stuff. You can. This is basically a digital audio workstation. Uh, your uh, your I/O for your computer, and it can be used completely independent of computer as just a hard mix station or uh, a recording device. It records onto mini micro SD. So I record all of our podcasts, Keith. I feed you through. It's got onboard AFIX sound processing. So I basically get our podcast done in this box without ever having to send it to my PC. Um, wow. 
I can also hard mix it to uh, just raw channels, up to 12-channel raw, and then put that into Pro Tools or whatever and play, play, play. So it's future-proofing all of my audio needs. Uh, it's way overkill for anything we do, but that's how I roll. Um, yeah. It is $500. Uh, but Ooh. the other picture, Keith, is the first version, the Rode Procaster 1, which is ostensibly the same exact thing with a few less features and bells and whistles, which is on radical sale right now. So uh, that's really worth it, too. So that's the Rode Procaster. I love it. And uh, they are constantly pushing out firmware updates and making it better. So uh, that's, I thought, a, a cool geek gift. Nice. No, I like it. All right. Well, my next gift, I don't remember what it is. Oh, so simple, so silly, so unimportant. And yet I find this is like a it's like an under $20 thing. Uh, but I really love it. I have like three or four of them. And that is a little USB desk fan. Uh, this is a Holmes and uh, it's a Holmes heritage. They have they have them in black and I like this sort of brushed chrome thingy here's what i like about it um it is not powerful it's not going to blow your face back it's not really designed to you know like cool your space but what it does is it cools you just a little bit and most importantly it, it looks nice on your desk it's usb powered but most importantly it's quiet mm. so i will frequently have this running while we're recording aimed right at the microphone and unless i literally put it up to the mic you won't hear it and so it's great to just have on your desk. It keeps keeps you a little bit cooler, gives you a little air without doing a lot. And uh, I think it looks great. And it's under twenty bucks. So um, pretty rad. The, the little Holmes desk fan. So like stocking stuffery kind of thing. I highly recommend it. I have uh, I have many. Big fan. Small fan. Mike. Actually. Small fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. That Nailed was really it. funny. Wow, that was great. All right, Keith, my next, next one is, speaking of automating, uh, I love my uh, d uh, personal assistant device. I won't say it to cue anybody else's out there <laughs> listening. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've found, you know, I've used all different kinds of um, bulbs, uh, popular, what do you call them, uh, smart bulbs in my house. Mm -hmm. uh, I like full range colors. I'm big on ambiance. So if you ever come to my pad, I usually have like some different colors, purples, and I mix a little hue in. And I like to set up, you know, uh, defaults and different things. If I'm watching football, I got one for football, blah, 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 blah. Um, but they can be on the pricey side, like your hue bulbs and your, uh, I had Lift X for a while, which has a great Friday bulbs. Now they last forever. So it's nice. You get to, it, your money's worth, but they're on the expensive side. So I was on this. I was on the hunt for ones you could get cheap, and I gotta say, where it's come for me is Govi. Govi is it works with Google. It works with Amazon, and they also make LED strips. They make a whole line of these yep. things, and they're cheap as heck. Like this Go Govi four pack is is like under thirty bucks for four bulbs. Um, yeah. And so I just replaced all my other stuff with Govi. They have an, a really good iPhone app. It works with all your, you know, your devices or whatnot. And you can really make some cool color stuff happen. And I got to say, the other thing, too, is they're very energy efficient because they are LED. And so it, yeah. you're, it's, it's also cost effective. So I'm a huge fan. I recommend Govi really highly. It makes sense to, like, get them all of the same brand so that you don't have to, like, go into different apps to control all your stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yep. But, um, yeah, this is my high recommend is Govi. 
Yeah, well, on my bookshelves behind me, which you see in some of the early videos, I use the Govi strips in yeah, my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that way I can make my bookshelves be whatever color I want or have it adapt or change and... Um, you know, like you said, the, the app is, app is great. There's a whole mess of different, so it's not like static colors. You can mm -hmm. make it do any, all sorts of things, changing and twinkling oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff behind you. Uh, a lot of really cool stuff. The outlet behind my bookshelves died, which is why I'm not using them now. Mm. And I can't go back and fix it without moving my bookshelves, which I screwed all together. So they, uh, wouldn't bounce around and all my toys would plan fall ahead, over. Folks. And I've watched, what's that? I said, plan ahead, folks. I did plan ahead. I didn't plan for the outlet to die. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, yes, I agree with you. The Gobi stuff is great. Uh, next up on my list is the Roku Express. So, I'm a Roku person. I know a lot of people, you have the, the Amazon TVs, you have the Samsung, all the smart TVs kind of stuff. But I'm a huge fan of the Roku uh, infrastructure. That whole thing. And... Um, you know, a lot. Most TVs that you buy now will have your OS integrated on it. But let me tell you what makes the Express great. Um, basically, it turns your dumb TV into a smart TV, right? It has Roku has all the apps, all the everything you could ever possibly use. What's up, Taxi? <laughs> um, and uh, so you can be logged in with all of the other things. But I use them for a very specific reason, and that is uh, don't listen NFL. To watch all the NFL games. So behind me, I have my main TV, a second TV, and then two smaller ones mounted on the wall. And all of them have their own Roku boxes attached to them. And what makes that really exciting, if you are a nerd like me and you have a VPN router, a uh, virtual private network router... With uh, ExpressVPN, uh, which is what I use, I can determine a location for each Roku device independently. Which means I then can go into the Fox app or the Paramount app and get the local game for whatever location I've established on the VPN. So I basically set up, I can watch six different NFL games at the same time by using these little Roku devices. And you're like, oh, well, that sounds expensive. No, these things no. are like 30 bucks. You know, you can get them on, on sale even beyond that. So, uh, and, and get the, get the, uh, the slightly upgrade, get, get the Express 4K mm -hmm. plus, uh, one, because you want to future proof it as mm -hmm. Mike would say, cause there's a 1080 version, but these ones come with a remote it's a smart remote that will control your old-ass TV, mm -hmm. including just like volume up, volume down power, which all I care about, right? But I'm, <clears throat> I'm able to mute and change volumes and turn on and off with this, the Roku Express remote, which really does, I've got cheap-ass old nonsense TVs because, you know, they're just secondary third screen right, yeah. or fourth screen stuff. Uh, it's seamless. It's great. It's really well done. And it's super cheap. Uh Get some Roku Express. Make your make your dumb TV smart. I'll say this also. You know, I've been on an exhaustive um, search for the best streaming device. Uh, I've had the uh, the Nvidia Shield, <clears throat> which is considered like the most powerful box. It's like very expensive. I've had Roku. I've had Fire Stick. I've had, and I just got the newest Apple TV because I'm in the Apple ecosystem. I like to be able to use my AirPods with it. I love Apple TV. It is like having a the phone chip in a, it's fast, it's great. I love Apple TV, but at the end of the day, I would rank Roku the top experience 
for all the reasons Keith said, but additionally, uh, because Roku's all they do is streaming, right? They have they get the updates for the apps as quick as possible. They have all the codecs for audio and stuff like that. And best yet, Keith mentioned that it has the remote, but it also has an app, the best of all of the apps, right, mm-hmm. to control your device. And from your app, whether you're on Android or iPhone, you can hit the headphone button, and then whatever earphones, whatever earphones are hooked up to your phone controls the volume on the – or yep. here's the volume TV. It's it's really elegant and cheap as hell, so – yeah, as Keith said, and, no, it's super cheap, and you're and you're right. That app is really handy when one of your sixteen remotes are stuck in the couch. Uh, so yeah, big fan. Uh, definitely, that's my thing, Mike. Let's see what's next for you, and that is well, Keith. Uh, you gotta you gotta control your stuff, right? You can't just use your voice all the time. Uh, so I have uh, a Stream Deck, which I love. Now, uh, uh, Stream Decks do a lot of stuff. Basically, they're macro buttons, right? And you have, it's not just those uh, 12 buttons. You can scroll over. You can create all kinds of jumping backs. I use it a lot for the podcast, you know, for to, like, switch scenes and stuff on OBS or whatnot. But more so in my workflow for work, like, I also set up if, just to launch top apps. I just hit a button, apps open, whatever it is. Uh, send an email, boop. Uh, I control my lights. I control my TVs. Everything I control from my stream deck. But for work, I do a lot of work in Adobe Audition or Adobe Premiere or uh, DaVinci Resolve, a lot of like editing programs that use a lot of macros, a lot, a lot of macros. Uh, Control-K to cut, and then I want to you know, ripple delete or all these kinds of things, which I get a facility for, but what if you just put all those macros on a button? And so now at work, I just fly through tasks because of macros. Now, you can do all that on your keyboard. In fact, you can download apps and get your Stream Deck mobile and do it on your phone you you have options uh but elgato has really begun to streamline and know their niche audience and making great products there's a bit of a premium on the pricing but this thing is i think you can get a you can get the stream deck for close to 100 bucks which is very reasonable for for as powerful as it is USB-C, set it and forget it tons of apps in the store that give you native buttons to control tasks all over your pc it also works for mac it's awesome. That's the Stream Deck. Right on. That's Keith, you would, <coughs> I'm Keith, all about Stream Deck is is something you would love. I I probably should cuz I'm I'm all I have so many little devices here to streamline the nonsense that we do. We do slightly different things, but we do a lot of mm-hmm. very similar things. Uh speaking of things, nope, that's not right. Speaking of things that streamline my life, this is uh. also super cheap, super nothing. Uh all this isn't even a hub right this isn't a USB-C hub which I have one of those too but this is just a USB port charging this is literally just for power Mm. um it's very it's it's an eight port USB charger I think it's like I don't know 20 bucks like it's it's practically nothing however if you have 10,000 little USB powered things including the fan I told you about it's really good to have one right in front of you so you have endless power-based USB ports. So uh, I've got a mixer that's USB. I've got the um, I've got I've got the fan. I can charge my phone, I can charge my turntable for the various toys that kind of stuff. Um, lights, you know, my various LED lights. All of this can be powered from this little box here. It does 60 watts total. It manages it all well. Um, dirt cheap you've got the little interface you can see what's charging and what power it's using um but literally it's just there to make my life easy i'm not having to search for uh so i have a separate one if i needed to communicate if it's if it's data-based but this is just for power simple 
Easy, elegant, get one. Eh, don't see the stop stop digging around in the back of your computer for USB stuff. That's it. Very simple. All right. And, all right, Mike, let's see what's next. I'm sticking ah. with Elgato, Keith. This is a key light. It's the key light air. <clears throat> it's also cheap. It's like a hundred bucks. Now here's the thing. Like Keith said, you can go on Amazon and get a bunch of twenty dollar LED lights and then set them up. You got a light back here, you got a light over here, you got blah 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 blah. If you got a zoom meeting or you do a YouTube show or whatever it is. Or what I did, I just got one of these. It's Wi-Fi, so it connects to my PC via Wi-Fi. I can control it uh with a little control center app it goes up i can change the warmth i can change the brightness uh it set it and forget it it's perfect it's not too big it's very small in fact uh and it's got a nice little hefty base you can set it up wherever you need it it's the top head little revolves and you can sex it and, and, and i only have one key light Right, it lights my green screen enough it does what i need it to do uh which is that, what that's I like. the only light you use is is that one on occasion, depending on like what it's like outside or what we're doing, I'll, I'll pop something else on just for like accent. But on a, a lot of times, I just use that. So, well, um, yeah, it's uh, that me. Uh, we've been on a constant quest to streamline whilst just get also overdoing. <laughs> we want it. We want it to be easy streamlined, but also overly complex. It's it's an interesting combination yep. here at K and M. Well, you know, actually, while we're talking about lights, I think this is a good opportunity uh, to recommend refurbished stuff yeah um specifically amazon refurbished you know amazon's the evil empire does a whole bunch of terrible things uh but when you get something from them that's refurbished a it's cheaper b you're you're saving something from a landfill that somebody just uh, ordered the wrong thing uh but i found speaking of lights uh oh god i'm plugged into too many things i can't move so i ordered some cheap Keith loves this story cheap led lights right and uh you know and and i ordered them refurbished because what the hell well they sent me the wrong thing so they, they obviously didn't have the thing that i wanted refurbished so they got me the super highly upgraded set uh same company same idea but just a 200 dollar set of lights and stands and a whole case that it came in as opposed to the one cheap ass like 30 dollar light so i got bonus stuff when I ordered it refurbished, um, so it came came with three of these big, giant, newer uh, key lights. I only use one; it's right above me. Um, but I've got all this extra stuff, so yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's, it's, you love Amazon because you love Amazon because I love Amazon. Aside the, the convenience factor, yes, but also better than any retailer return policy. It doesn't matter yep. what you get from Amazon if you don't like it or don't want it, you can return it, and. The yep. fringe benefit of that is that 90% of the refurbished stuff is just something somebody got and didn't want and sent it back. Like, that's what it is. Right. You know what I mean? So, 100, and, I've, and it's, it's, it's guaranteed to be still good. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's get to our right, last next, gift each. Last gift for me. Speak, uh, this is all just like lights and streaming stuff. And that is my, my, uh, my green screen which I really, really love. This is an Excel image pull-down green screen. So I'm gonna, just to, to show you what's going on with this, let me uh, go back to my webcam here, and then you can see it behind me. So, because we do so much of this, uh, so much streaming, so much green screen, that uh, it was a huge pain setting it up, taking it down, setting it up, taking it down, and all of that nonsense. So I decided to shell out 
and buy the pull-down screen, which I have just mounted to the ceiling here in the basement, and when I'm ready to shoot, I just pull it down. And that is the end of the whole story. Yeah, it's I need set to do this. Up. It's, it is the easiest thing in the world. You know, it's like the, the projector screen you did in school, right? When you had the... You just pull it down. And when you're done, you pull it back up and you don't have to set up anything. You don't have to fold the stupid green thing, which is that you know, light takes 45 recessed minutes. into the ceiling? Uh, yeah, the one above? Yeah. Yeah, I've got the... So there's, there's, there's sort of pot lights on the side and then that extra light there I just put in there to cool. give myself a little bit more light on there. But uh, none of it's necessary for what we're doing here. So... Um, you know, it's it's a little bit more expensive. It, it's like a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I got have, it on sale. But it's sale. a pain in the ass. You know, I got to keep setting it up. I've got to pull it down. I got to set the stand up. I got to do the whole thing. No, and that and that's that's you talk about streamlining, right? Because mm-hmm. we're doing this three times a week, right? It's not like it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want I want my lights my lights set. I want that set so that when you know it takes me three minutes to go yeah. from regular to I'm I'm shooting cameras hardwired cameras locked in and that makes it a lot easier so big fan big fan of that it was worth the investment um for me to do that so michael what's I for- next i forget oh yeah guys they've tried they've tried to streamline everything they've tried to make tiny keyboards they've tried to make uh i had a solar powered keyboard once i had everything here's the, here's the thing you want a mechanical keyboard. There's nothing like it. Um, and there's a company called Kcron. They are, have their own website, Kcron, K-E-Y-C-H-R-O-N.com. Um, or their stuff is also available on Amazon. Check it out. They've got all kinds of different sizes, shapes, rollerballs, knobs, twisties, doodads. I wanted this. Um, I have two. I have this guy. This is the the V2 or the K2. I also have the K10 because it has a numpad, which I need for some stuff I do for work. Uh, but it's my daily driver. It's this bit. And you can get all different kinds of switches. I won't go down the rabbit hole of mechanical key switches. Uh, I like brown switches. I like Gatoron brown switches. Some people like blue, red, different sound. There's basically different uh, tactile feedback, and there's different clicky sounds. Uh, but I just find I type better on them. It's comfortable. You can get clever with your color schemes. You can buy new diff- uh, uh, keycaps and switch it out and get really customizable if you want. Or the ones they send you are really good. Uh, you know, you can get in for, I think, some of their keyboards. If you don't want LED backlighting, or like 60 bucks, so you can get a good keyboard. It's Mac and PC compliant. Uh, you can swap the different, uh, you know, the, the command key to depending on what you know system you're using with. It's also Bluetooth if you want to use it with your laptop. I love these keyboards. I have two. I am a huge recommender of Kcron. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a. What do you call it? A, um, a small business, you know. And they, they, they yeah. kickstart a lot of their stuff. Uh, if you're looking for a keyboard, don't go to Guitar Center or Guitar Center. Don't go to uh, Best Buy or you know buy like a, a Logitech or whatever. Get yourself Kcron. Uh, also, I get so many of all the kind of cool gear I have. I get more compliments on my keyboard than anything else. So uh, yeah. Kcron, baby. Well, and I, I'm a huge like I, I'm with you because I'm, I'm a writer, right? I'm mm-hmm. typing all day. We gotta get long. you a Kcron, Keith. That's what we need to get you. I, I do need one because like the one that came with my, with my computer is this little small one, which is like fine. But how are you, how are you supposed to type on that? You, there's no keys, right? It's, mm-hmm. 
Keith, it's I'm telling so you, baby, annoying. go to cakeround.com or check it out on Amazon. I, and you know, don't get one I of the should. like. Or you know what? Spend the hundred bucks and get the and get the metal base and just like get a good keyboard. Yeah, I should have because I I sort of split the difference mm-hmm. and I got one here. It's a Klim, which uh, is perfectly fine. It's got the cool LED lights behind it and blah blah blah. That's nice, and it has a it it has a little bit more of the feel and it has like actual real sized keys because um, I do need the numpad. That's actually very mm-hmm. important to me. So you want the K10? Um, That's the one I recommend for you. The K10. The mm-hmm. the the problem is the the battery doesn't last it lasts like 16 hours before i have to recharge it and it's constantly turning off yeah so this you can re- this is it. rechargeable if you want to use it wirelessly you recharge it via yeah. USB C, or i just use it leave it plugged in because whatever yeah this one is rechargeable it's just the charge doesn't last very long whereas the the one that came with the computer is like triple a which is sad because you have to you're not rechargeable but it lasts forever and forever so anyway uh yeah, so that is our gift guide, huh? Yeah, that was pretty good. I thought actually, I thought so too. I I enjoyed also. all those fun toys. Mike, you're the host. Take us yeah, away. Yeah, that's it, man. So guys, listen. Whatever you do this holiday, uh, or if you do nothing, that's cool. Uh, I want to thank you for spending any of your time with us. In the comments, if you are so inclined, let us know what some of your geek gifts are this week. What do you? What do you? What are you hoping? Maybe somebody gets you. What do you? What? What's some cool stuff that, you, that has been getting you through? If not, uh, just say hello. Uh, this, we're just we're just chatting here. Uh, in the meantime, check out our other shows. We do a weekly recap of Deep Space Nine episode by episode. Uh, we are d- knee deep into season two. We also play with Star Trek toys and look at other people's Star Trek toys as we go through Keith's collection of Playmates uh, action figures of the Star Trek variety. Uh, you can check all that out. Uh, we'd like to thank our patrons. Uh, they are listed here. You can join that team at patreon.com slash K&M. Uh, we are endlessly grateful for the support they give us to do all of the nonsense we do we have a lot of fun stuff coming up in the new year once we become a little less busy uh but that all said no matter what you do this holiday folks do not let anyone yuck your yum keep doing the things uh, that you find fun and keep on geeking on until next week okay, then geeking.